I've often found is how do you create a team that balances one another versus getting a bunch of yes people. We all pass the ball to each other in the areas that we know that we do well and let that person truly own it versus trying to come in and say like, I'm the VP of marketing, I'm the CEO, we're going to do it this way. You have to do it this way because it's what I say. It's like, no, that the people who are really good at what they do, do what they do best. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, joining me is Sam Keenly. He is a B2B SaaS marketer from Loxo. He joins me to talk about a lot of the things that he and his team are doing. Particularly, I really enjoyed this idea of a marketing hackathon. Talk about the relationship between data and creative. Also, building a team with diverse skill sets on the marketing side. I love this, so make sure to stick around. I think you're going to enjoy it too. All right, sit back, relax, and let's get into this episode. Sam, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. We were talking, you know, before we hit record there, your team just did a a marketing, you know, hackathon. Walk me through how that came about and, and how you conducted that. Yeah. So been at companies before we have, it's like the dev team or the engineers, they just, they take a week off, whether it's every quarter or half year. And they just go pursue something that's interesting to them or they've been wanting to sink their teeth into, but you know they don't have a designated time. So I'm like, well, why don't we do this with our marketing team? There's equally valuable. And so we use Asana as our project management tool. And every week we're just dropping in. We have this, this board that's specific to ideas and brain dump and, and those types of things. It has a bunch of really cool things in there. But I realized that it was about like six months had gone by and we hadn't touched a single one of those. And I was like, that's not right. Like, what can we do or how do we need to set up our team to be able to go and take these on? So I was like, let's just steal a page out of this hackathon book and tell the team, hey, everyone gets a week. We're going to go off the grid, so to speak. I mean, we're all remote. <laughs> Put your slack on do not disturb for the week and then go and pick two things from this board that are interesting to you. And what you're going to do is just go focus, head down on that and, and come up with that. And so the reason why... I really wanted to do this as one, as I said, like there were a bunch of interesting ideas in there. But um, as we were talking about before, you usually have this kind of like grid, so to speak. You have like one axis is priority and one axis is impact. And what often happens is you get so many things that come in every day, like this is high priority, this is high priority, high priority. And so the lower priority items don't get the attention they always deserve. But what happens for those low priority, high impact items? Well, that's where this like ideas brain dump board is where we have these phenomenal ideas, but it's like, Eh, like we'll get to it eventually what if we do those now because i'll take that high impact low priority every quarter which is what we're doing it now versus high priority but low impact it's like that almost seems backwards in a way where we're over indexing in that high priority section when if you scored those out so to speak and they don't have a lot of impact is it really worth it at the end of the day it's interesting and that comes from that eisenhower matrix where it's like you know high priority high impact do now and the other one is like schedule but we like you're saying, we miss that part of what if we don't even know what we're going to do, what that task is? How do we give ourselves permission to set aside thinking time, hackathon time, 
literal strategy sessions that maybe we don't feel the dopamine hit of crossing something off a to-do list or marking it to the done column in our Kanban board. But it is very important because if we're just chasing those short-term high priority items, quote unquote, then we are going to miss the chance to really go into some of those bigger things. Now, was there anything that you can divulge that was interesting came out of the the marketing hackathon where you're like, dang, I wouldn't have thought of that or we wouldn't have actually put resources towards that if we hadn't done this? Yeah. So this was our first one. And so part of it was one aspect was like speeding up things that were just not taking too long, but we were like, let's just rip the bandaid off and get this done. So we are a startup. We, we didn't have a formal marketing department until this year. We didn't have, we have brand guidelines, but it's all kind of in everyone's heads. We didn't have anything documented. So we were like, let's just sit down, knock this out finally once and for all. So the product team knows what shade of blue to use, what fonts should we be using? Like things like that. So that was one, it was non-sexy one, but high impact again, low priority, high impact. And then we had some more fun ones where our biggest problem has been people don't know who we are. When they see our product, when they get in a demo, we win three out of four deals as soon as it becomes an opportunity, which is absolutely crazy for B2B SaaS. And so one of the reasons why this happens is they see what happens when you, you know, consolidate your tech, the efficiencies gain, and also like it's a 10x cost saving when you look at piecemealing all the tools compared to what we offer. And so one of the things that our sales reps often do is do a very rudimentary like ROI calculator. (laughs) They'll give them a really ugly spreadsheet says like, okay, what are you paying for product one, product two, product three? Here's what it is for us. Well, what if we get ahead of that? and created something for our website, which we're not the first people at all to ever do an ROI calculator, but that keeps coming up in sales and discovery. And even before it's like, well, let's just go ahead and and get that out there so people can start using it. So that was a big one that came out. And then third one that was incredibly, incredibly unsexy is marketing operations. So everyone knows it's like, these aren't always the fun things to do, but we hired a new team member where we just said like, go figure out how to do like all these workflows, all this other stuff. And, And he's a member that he loves that kind of just the very operational mindset, but he's just never had time because we've been pulling him in a million directions or high priority items. So we said, let's go spend a week in HubSpot, have fun, come back, let us know what you find. And the efficiencies we've already gained out of that have been incredible. Yeah. It's also this thing that when you do things like ops and looking at the systems, it doesn't seem fun, but when we can wrap our head around that, if we become more efficient and we get good at our predictable workflow, the things that we need to do every quarter, whatever it may be, that's actually going to open up more time for us to do some of these bigger, more, you know, fun slash experimental moonshot type of marketing ideas. And without that efficiency, without a brand book where you bring a designer on and they got to spend time trying to, they're ripping the font off the website and then it's the wrong weight. And it's all those little things that it's like, yeah, it's startup. So it's, it's go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Taking those next steps to professionalize the marketing department is so important. It also helps when we start to put in those procedures and things to, I think, be seen more seriously by the other departments and not be the arts and crafts like, oh, you guys are just making fun stuff on social where we're able to say, okay, like you're saying, when we three out of four opportunities that you're performing in, that's unbelievable. So now it's like, well, how do you get in more races? And you have justification to go, if we try this, we're going to get in more races. We know we close. Okay. So taking mm-hmm. and, taking and using that data on your side, I think is, uh, is powerful. Now, how do you approach both being a creative and a, like what I call myself, like I'm more spreadsheet, you know, and people are like, you're in marketing, you do this. I'm like, I, I'm a lot more numbers than I am, you know, creative. We have, 
creative team members, which are awesome. Do you have a balance in your involvement or attachment to either, you know, side of being a marketer when it comes to data and creative? Oh yeah. Yeah. The dichotomy. I'm right there with you in that camp where people like I struggled with marketing analytics in college. I'm like, oh, this is so boring. I hate this. Why am I ever going to use this? And then I get into the real world. I'm like, oh, I use this all the time. Just not in the context that they've been teaching us it. But yeah, I live and breathe, you know, spreadsheets. There's a balance. So I say, you know, it's data plus context or common sense. That's at the end of the day what you need. So is that context common sense? You know, sometimes it's the creative insight that it's like, why are people doing things that way? But what I've often found is how do you create a team that balances one another versus getting a bunch of yes people on your team? And so that's what I really like within our organization is I didn't just go and hire three demand gen marketers because I like demand gen marketing. What we did was I have one demand gen marketer who is incredibly strong in operations. Then we have a head of brand and creative and content who oversees, you know, it's like, how do you take these ideas? So the insights that we get from the data, hey, this message lands really well, this target persona lands really well, this segment, you know, this offer, then they take it and put their creative spin on it. And so what I'll often do, what we found is a a good balance is I'll go on. LinkedIn somewhere else. I'll see something that's really cool. It's a, you know, I think it was a Vistaprint video I saw the other day and I shared this with the team because it was this it's a 30 second spot, but it was really impactful with how they present it. They're like, you might think of Vistaprint as business cards, but did you know we also do? And then it gives us like 25 seconds of like business signs, hats, emblems, you know, all these other things that you might not know. I was like, that's really interesting because we're an organization that's creating a new category and people think of us in one way, but we're one way plus so many other things. So I was like, how can we take this kind of angle, this approach? And so that's where the creative side of me like recognizes there's something there, but I'm not creative enough to be able to go and say like, how do we inject our own thing? And so that's why I send it over to our head of brand and content and our creative person. I'm like, go think on this, come back to me with, with some ideas on what we can do. And so that's why I like to think of our team, not to be super, I forget whatever the, the term is of it, obvious, but it's like we're yin yangs to each other. It's not everyone that's strength, all strength, in one area all week in another area but it's like we all pass the ball to each other in the areas that we know that we do well and that that person truly own it versus trying to come in and say like i'm the vp of marketing i'm the ceo we're gonna do it this way you have to do it this way because it's what i say it's like no that the people who are really good at what they do do what they do best yeah covering your blind spots right and you just get more and more coverage when you bring in those different perspectives and it's interesting because like you said it's like the marketing analytics i love that side and people i love modeling things but I'll go and go, okay, we make this model. I think what's going to happen. But truly great marketing breaks any predictability, right? Predictable, oh, here's our click-through rate. Here's the conversion rate. It's 2 to 5%, blah, blah, blah. We've all been fed these numbers a million times. And I'm like, yes, in the sea of average content and average marketing, this is the predictable outcome. But if we have one piece, if we have a tentpole guest comes on this show, for instance, that takes this show and will 100x the numbers. And it's like, it's not just two or three or whatever it may be. So I look at that always and I'm like, okay, where am I relying too much on the predictable side of things or the data that I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we got to do this, got to do that. So I love that idea of bringing in other perspectives and other you know disciplines within marketing, people who are the content people, who are an ops person to really smoothen out, but give you way more coverage against blind spots. Because you're right. The last thing you want to do is give seven demand gen marketers and then you wake up one day and you're like oh dang <laughs> we we missed a giant opportunity here yeah why does everyone have the same ideas why aren't we doing anything different it's like well because you're all doing and thinking the exact same way yep now i am curious you 
are active on LinkedIn. I love your content. Have you always been really active with, you know, building a personal brand, sharing your lessons there? Or has that been position dependent? How have you approached that platform? Yeah, it it came about more recently. It's about COVID time when it really started to pick up. So I'd started at a new company. I was at Refine Labs for a couple of years. And so it was a combination of one, I'd kind of been wanting to do it mostly from a selfish standpoint in the sense of the, it's like the old metaphor, like, you know, it's read something, you learn it, but like, if you can teach it to someone, that's when you really internalize it. So the combination of one, I wanted to really start to figure out what I was, is what I'm doing. Can I explain it to someone? Can I teach it? And it was at an agency. So company benefit to that is I'm sharing my learnings about what I'm seeing in B2B with other B2B companies. So there's a biz dev element to it as well. And three, to get the idea out there and see, does it resonate or do people say that's a terrible idea? Your data is flawed. Your methodology is skewed and use that as another course correction to say, you know, I didn't think about that. That's a really good point. So instead of getting all defensive about, no, my data is the best. This experiment always works. It's like use that to also sharpen your sword, so to speak, and get other people's feedback. Because at the time when I started, there were 10, 15 of us there. There weren't a lot of people to learn from, to bounce ideas off of. So using the larger community to when you remove your ego from it, like it was honestly a not even a growth multiply, but like exponentially grow my learnings in this space pretty quickly. It's fascinating when you said like, take the ego out of it and start to just ask and share your learning along the way. That's something that I've, I've thought about with creating a brand is like, there's the way to do it of being the guide and saying, do this, do that, whatever. But there's also the explorer, which is like, hey, I'm building out a budget. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I found. Here's a big L that I took last year. Here's where I won. And then the amount of people that come on and are like, will comment and be like, oh my God, I had the same thing happen. And like the relatable side of it. Uh, and it can help really build and foster connections. I mean, this show, to your point, it's like, I got my ego out of it and said, okay, how can I, if I can, instead of being the person who's always telling people what to do, how can I bring people on and just ask them questions? And then you have a couple hundred episodes later and I'm like, whoa, this show has been the the greatest learning I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And then getting to share that with people. And it's like, oh, dang, I should have started this three years before that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is how it goes. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, so my background, I've, I've always been in B2B SaaS, but I've never been in the recruiting industry, which is what Loxo is. And so when I came over, I knew the general strategy that I wanted to run and we had no content. I'm just like, let's start a podcast. It's a great way to create a bunch of content, get it out, audio, video, written. My problem was I have zero authority in this space when I got started. So if we want to host a podcast, who do we get? Our CEO or CTO? I'm not using their time to do it. They can't host it. So I was like, how do I set up a podcast where it's like, I'm telling recruiters what to do when... I can't tell them what to do because I don't know. I was like, well, what if I just flip that on its head and say, I want to learn. So what if I bring recruiters on who are very good at what they do? And I'm like, teach me one thing that you do phenomenally, exceptionally. Not only do I want to learn that, but I know other recruiters probably want to learn that too. So it's creating that forum where it's like, to your point of how do I use this as a learning opportunity for myself, for others, and then just get that out in a broader space. And people, if you say, hey, I want to learn from you. It's funny. I always come back. People, they say, you know, don't ask me for a cup of coffee or to pick my brain, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But if I say, hey, can I pick your brain and record it and put it into a video on YouTube? Everyone's like, yeah, I got 15 minutes. Yeah, I got 30, 40. Mm -hmm. I got an hour. And I'm, it's so funny to me that if we think in turn away from just immediacy and hey, I want the information to thinking in permanency, 
How can I take this content, share it with other people, give it to you, the guest, you can then use it for your marketing and really helping that, uh, you know, helping all sides out. I found that that was just wild to me to see how many people were willing to give their time, you know, to a show Mm -hmm. they'd never heard of. And it's funny that little flip and we don't need to be the teacher, just be the student and people will come on and, and, and teach. So I absolutely love that. Is the show... Do you still all have the show going? Is that nice? What's the name of uh, of the show? Yeah, still going. It's called Becoming a Hiring Machine. So it's a, it's a fun show. I think we're maybe coming up on 50 episodes soon. Started in July, doing about two weeks. So we're like, let's not kill ourselves with it, but let's get enough out there. So it's fun. I'm sure you went through it where it's every now and then you just hear one person like, hey, I really like the show. I'm like, oh my God, people listen to this thing. That's amazing. Oh, it's wild. Yeah, 50, that's awesome. And, and we do have people listen to this who are in the recruiting space. A couple of people I know personally who have recruiting companies, make sure to go check that out. Sam, this has been awesome. Uh, now for anybody who wants to connect with you online or learn more about Loxo, where should they head? Yeah. So like I said, we got a podcast, Becoming a Hiring Machine, all major podcasts, uh, streaming platforms. I'm on LinkedIn. That's the only social network that I'm I'm active on and I enjoy the conversation. So anything that you're ever curious about or marketing, so to speak, is, is really what I'm constantly discussing there and then our website loxo.co not com.co um dollar story for another time but yeah that's our that's our main site if you want to check out the company there awesome and i'll put links to all those in the show notes sam thanks again for coming on today yeah i appreciate having me all right everybody that's it for this episode as always i'm your host jordan shelton i'll catch you next time 